Are you a woman leading in a nonprofit who really tries hard to shut your emotions off every time conflict bubbles up? Do you know what? That doesn't work so well. And in today's episode, we're going to talk to HR expert Sarah Albo about the emotions in conflict. Welcome to the Surviving to Thriving podcast that helps women leaders in nonprofits get out of survival mode and thrive in both leadership and life. I'm your host, leadership development coach, Kathy Archer, and I help women leaders enjoy impactful leadership. Sarah is an HR consultant and a psychological health and safety advisor, and she helps organizations manage conflict. She's got this passion for that psychological health and safety in organizations, and she uses her experience and her training and her skills around conflict resolution to help navigate that. So today we're going to talk about the emotions and how all of the emotions interplay in conflict. And so let's transition into the show. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you about conflict and the emotions around conflict. But before we dive into that, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to the work you do today. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Kathy. Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah. I'm the founder and uh, advisor here at Novel HR. Uh, I started the company uh, to do consulting in the workplace around conflict resolution. So that includes conflict coaching, mediation, uh, but it also includes psychological health, health and safety. And so workplace mental health is tied in there because that's interpersonal conflict is such a major cause of stress in the workplace and it can be really damaging to, uh, to the environment there. And so I think it's really important to, to try to either resolve it or get out in front of it if you can. So why why is this your passion project? What brought you to this kind of work? So years ago, I was studying in mental health. Um, and so I've always believed in, uh, in how important that is. But there, it was, I wasn't seeing so much of that being talked about in the workplace. And we spend so much time there and it can be so stressful for us that there's, there's not a separation between our, our personal and professional lives anymore. And there's this crossover mental health is affected in both places. So I thought it was really important to be having this conversation in the workplace. And I had gone some through some really stressful uh, of my own situations in the workplace and, and my mental health was really impacted. And a lot of it had to do with interpersonal conflict. And then I was hearing about this from so many friends as well. And I just knew like this is happening all over the place and we need to do something about it. Yeah. You know, I think we think that work is task oriented, but so much of work is relationship oriented. And man, from little spats to like, all out blow ups, it happens all the time in every field. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. You see it everywhere. And it can be, you know, between, um, between employee groups between, you know, across the hierarchy, it's it's all over. Yeah. You know, I often ask some of the nonprofit leaders, like, what keeps you awake at night? Mm -hmm. And certainly there are things around tasks, but the majority of the time mm -hmm. it's like, how do I deal with this person, this sort of, how do I get these people involved in this project? Or yeah, how do I deal with these two people that are just like, you know, at each other? And I had that when I was a leader, I struggled with that all the time. But I also struggled with what you were talking about you know, people didn't like me sometimes, or I didn't like them sometimes. And man, that tension just totally impacted the work we were doing. It can be so difficult. I mean, you have these organizations where 
there's all, you know, people from all walks of life and different personalities, and there's different tasks that need to be done. And they're all interrelated as well. Everybody has different goals and priorities. And then there's the organization's goals and priorities. And so it's inevitable that we're going to get into these situations where we don't agree on something or there's competing priorities. And so we have to find a way to, how can we communicate around that and talk about the problems that we need to solve, the tasks that need to get done without involving that, um, you know, any kind of personal attacks or bringing up defensiveness. And and even that, I mean, that's going to happen, but how could we talk about it and, and make sure that everybody's heard and try to move through that emotional component of the conflict to get to a place where we can do the problem solving? Well, and I think that's the challenge for many of us. You know, we get into these situations where things get tense and the mantra I hear all the time is, I just want to leave my emotions at the door. I just, I just have to shut my emotions off while I deal with this. And that doesn't work because, no. you know, I, I, I watch these people push their emotions down or try and shut them off. And then all of a sudden they blow up at the most inopportune times. And that's why you have a lot of this is because we're trying to push our emotions to the side and just deal with it rationally. There's so many emotions involved, which we're going to get to in a minute, that you can't do that. And so I'm so glad we're going to talk about, you know, the emotions and managing the emotions rather than just shutting them off today. You're exactly right. That almost never works. It's a very short term solution that can make it just that much worse in the long term. And I, and I know it can be really hard to deal with. We're not, you know, we don't always have the language around our emotions. We don't always know how to deal with them. And there, there is this Western bias of, you know, emotions are irrational and that's not true. They're really important messengers. They provide us with information about you know, what we're passionate about, what our values are, where our boundaries are. Yeah. So when these emotions come up, it's so important to, to check out what's going on there and, and what are they about. Yeah. All right. So if we want to dive into what is conflict and you know how do the emotions play? So you want to talk to us about some different definitions or different ex- um, categories. So walk us through those first. Sure. That was, you know, I thought that might be a good starting point um, because that's, you know, emotions are, um, sorry, con- conflict is actually driven by emotions. And that's really what brings it from a disagreement to a conflict where, you know, a disagreement is, um, you know, can be a difference of opinion, difference of needs, but it, it's something you can tackle. It's, you know, a one-off situation. It's, y- you can deal with it. When it starts to move towards a conflict, that's when that emotional component starts to come in um, and it becomes that much more, uh, more, to de- uh, more difficult to deal with. And we may not know that it's the emotional component that's what's causing the difficulty. Yeah. So difference of opinion. I remember back when we were, you know, had a, had a company vehicle and, you know, we, I would say you have to fill out this form and somebody would say, I don't want to fill out that form. Every time I drive it, I'll fill that form out at the end of the week. So that's a difference of opinion and we can sort it out there. But when it comes like it's not sorted out and it's still niggling with me, I'm the supervisor, I'm looking at the form, it's not done. You know, that's when it gets moved to that higher level. And that's when, like you say, it becomes annoyed to frustrated to, you know, I'm ticked off right now and it's causing me grief. 
And it's, you know, that's, that's such a great example because it is something that could be just a disagreement that's solvable, but now there's an emotional component. We're making a judgment about the other person. And, and it's that it's the appraisal of the conflict, like, or the, the appraisal that drives our emotional reaction. So, you know, if you're, if you're frustrated and you're making an assumption that they're, um, that they're lazy or that they're being insubordinate or, you know, that's going to drive your approach to the conflict and it makes it that much more difficult to deal with. Well, and, and what happens then is maybe it was about the vehicle here and then there's a staff meeting and suddenly I feel like they're insubordinate or maybe I walk by their office Mm -hmm. and their desk is messy and I'm like, man, they really are lazy. And all of those things start to compound. It's crazy. And that's, and, and, Again, that's such a great example of how a conflict can really become this either, you know, series of events or all of these multiple disagreements that are just now packaged into this really challenging situation that's basically taking on a life of its own and, and becoming really, really difficult to deal with. And that's where, you know, whether whether you action that um, and it becomes an actual dispute um, or you continue with the avoidance of it, um, and it just the, the conflict continues to fester. It's yeah, uh, yeah they don't go away. <laughs> no, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday, and sh- she was having some issues with this particular staff, and this particular staff had made a couple comments around workflow systems, relationships that had kind of graded on her. But there was also this other outlying comment around her weight. And so it was like, okay, these ones are, you know, conflicts that you can deal with, but where does this one fit in? And you could tell that that all was like jumbled together. And I'm like, I'm not so sure they all fit together. And so we were able to kind of take them apart a little bit. But still, you can see how you know, how our stuff comes into these, um, to these situations where, you know, it can be like some of the challenges that come up with these difficult conversations and difficult situations uh, are the emotions that we're feeling at the time. It's our past history. It's how we've interpreted the situation versus how the other party's interpreting it. All of these things combine together to become this, this bigger problem. And, yeah. and one of the things that happens in conflict, it, it gets split off either two ways. Um, it, it ends up as that very emotional, um, negative affect is, is a part of the conflict, and it, it becomes very personal. And those are really challenging to deal with. And then on the flip side, there is a more task-focused, problem-solved those are, you know, the cognitive side of it, where we're thinking about them, where we're problem solving, and we're able to to generate something out of the conflict that's very constructive. But on the per- when it's personal like that, it is typically not constructive. No, it's so hard. Okay, yeah. so it goes from a disagreement to a conflict. Did what? What was the next one? And then, so if the conflict then becomes a dispute, that it's really just the like the outward manifestation of the conflict. Um, so you can have you can have a conflict without a dispute, but you can't have a dispute without a conflict. So that's when, mm-hmm. and this is where alternative dispute resolution comes from. Um, it's the idea of you know once once the dispute is there, like that's when you're it's out. People are yeah. acknowledging that they're they're in a dispute, and 
you can move towards that resolution. Um, and, I, and I thought another one that was interesting to add to this was the idea of the confrontation. So I, I was looking the other day uh, because I really wanted to get a, you know, what's the definition of that? Yeah. So many different dictionaries out there and everyone has something a little bit different, but the range was actually really interesting to me where some were just saying it's a face-to-face conversation. And then others were saying it's a fight, it's hostile, it's an argument. Right. And so you can see how the language that we use starts to really impact, again, our appraisal of the situation. And is there a difference when somebody is helping sort of resolve that? Does that change the language or the, or the structure of it? You know, does it, become, does it become a dispute when somebody's in the middle trying to sort it out? The, it's certainly helpful when somebody's in there. I mean, there's a reason we have referees for for so many things. Um, but it, but if I look at it in this specific context, um, we could be talking about a mediator um, or or another dispute resolution professional. But a mediator is basically going to they really help to take some of that. Um, they'll take down some of the like the inflammatory comments, some of that. Um, what's the word? I can't even think of it. Um, they try to like de-escalate in terms of even just the language that they're using. And it's very forward focused. You know, what do we need to move on here? What would help you resolve this? And what do you want to walk away with here today? What's um, what's the best outcome? You know, those kinds of things. So it's very forward focused. How we're appraising the conflict and the situation really does have an impact on, on how we're able to move through it. Um, Because as humans, we have this approach or avoid, um, part of our mentality. And this is, it's part of our survival where we are always making these safety decisions as to whether, you know, do we let our curiosity take over or are we avoiding for safety? And and so that's a big part of conflict. The more that we're inflaming things, the more likely we are to actually avoid the situation out of safety. So have you seen mediators come into, like, have you been involved in disputes in nonprofits? Um, I have seen, you know, I've actually known a few people that have worked in nonprofits um, in, in yeah. some of the mediation training that I was doing. You know, I, I think it's something that is so helpful to have as, as a support person in the room. One of the things I hear from people, and I've experienced this myself too, where, you know, if I'm in a conflict situation, um, this is actually particularly common for introverts where you, you might freeze up. I mean, this, this can either be an introversion response, it can be a trauma response, but you know what you want to say and you just freeze up. Yeah. So having somebody there that can help facilitate the process, um, that can help you to take breaks when you need to, like mediations can be a half day or a full day, but but just having somebody there to facilitate it, maybe ask you a question to, um, to prompt more thinking. I've even heard of situations where they might... Um, if, if you think you're really going to have a struggle getting your point across or telling your story, you've told it to the mediator. And then with your permission, they can actually right. share it for you and really help you to get those points yeah. along for it. So for people that, um, that just are, are not going to feel comfortable in the situation, because it, it is a really difficult situation. So I'm, you know, I'm never going to tell someone that this is something, you know, they, they have to try to resolve the conflict yeah. or they have to have the conversation. It's really challenging. We're not taught how to do this. Um, you know, in, you know, with everything else that we're taught in life, this is not one of those things. So having a support person there can be really valuable. So I, I agree. You know, it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking I took mediation training back in the day. 
Uh, I don't think we ever used it formally, but I was working with families that were, you know, separated and, you know, kids in the child protection system and stuff was kind of messy. So we had taken mediation training because we were supporting the, the families in some of those conflicts. At the time, I don't think I thought about it in my organization, but I do think I probably used some of those skills over time. My question is, there's a there's a time and a place to hire a mediator, bring a mediator in, get outside support. Prior to that, though, there's sort of two scenarios. One is that the leader is involved in the conflict. But imagine the leader is not involved in the mm-hmm. conflict and it's two team players. What suggestions would you give to that leader for helping those two team members get that conflict resolved before it gets to the point of mediation? There's there's a few different ways that, um, that you can do that. Um, One of the things that I would check out, I think, especially in a workplace situation, I I would have individual conversations with them first, just check out, you know, how they're feeling about like where they're feeling in terms of coming together for a resolution, Uh, because you can't force anybody to do that. I would never just say, hey, let's get everyone in a room and let's let's resolve this. Talk to them first and just check it out um, and, and explain what the purpose of the conversation is um, and what the idea is behind. I mean, if you do think it's typically for people that need to work together, at some point you're going to have to, well, when, when we're COVID yeah. safe again, you'll have to be in the same room <laughs> together. So I'll, we'll also talk about this in terms of a, a Zoom meeting um, or you know some kind of online yeah. conversation. But before you bring people together, just check it out and make sure that that's something that they're they're interested in doing, but explain why it's, why it's important um, Mm -hmm. and why it's important to the organization. Then the other thing I would do in terms of the mediation process, it's really important for each party to tell their story because they likely have totally different versions from each other. And they they likely don't have a clue of what the other party, what their version is. So it's really important for each side to hear each other out and then as the leader or as the mediator, it's important to to check that understanding and make sure that each side is listening to each other and giving them that space to to express what's going on for them. Um, And then as part of listening to that story, you're also trying to find out what's important to them. So -hmm. they may come in and they may have a position of what they want. um, And it's really important to figure out why is that important for them? Because that can really help them either come to a resolution together or come to a better resolution than they even may have thought of in the first place. As a leader in the organization, you're typically going to have a sense of what's okay um, in terms of organizational policies or the culture. Like, mm-hmm. so, so you may have to be a little bit more directive in terms of, of um, coming to a resolution just because you have parameters that you're working within. But it's, it's also really important in a mediation that the resolution comes from the parties. So it's up to them to, to make suggestions and to talk to each other and work through what a resolution would look like. And the mediator the whole time is really keeping it forward focused. So what do you need to move forward? It's not in, in there are certainly some situations where fault and blame might be relevant, um, but in these situations, it's not about that kind of fact finding or um, or who's to blame, 
who's, you know, it's not about punishment. Yeah. It's what do you need to move forward? How can we work better together? Um, it's keeping it very much. Again, we're trying to keep it to that task focused and, and problem solving as opposed to this person said, this person said, this one's right, this one's wrong. I love what you just said. First, that why is this important to the organization? I think we need to come yes. back to that again and again. You know, it's one thing for you two to have this disagreement, but let's talk about how this is impacting the organization and what we want, but mm -hmm. also why it's important to them. You know, like you said, everybody's different. And so why, why do we want to, why do you want to work through this? I mean, you agreed to come have this conversation. Why do you want to work through it? What's important to it for you? Then the other thing that you just said was that the person doing the mediating, so if you're the leader and you're kind of mm -hmm. sorting through this disagreement, it's not your job to come up with a solution. And I think as leaders, we're programmed to problem solve. So it's very easy to come in like the parent and go, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to stop arguing. That's not resolving conflict. Exactly. Um, right. As, as a leader, if you're trying to do this, you really have to take off that hat, put on this hat that's just curious, open, asking the questions and very much forward focused. So I love those points. And, and it comes back to what we were talking about earlier, where if, um, you know, you, you have to, you really have to understand what's the goal of this, what's the goal of this meeting and yeah. make that clear as part of the agenda. And it may have an organizational goal as well. I mean, this might be two yep. people that have to work together to complete a specific project that can yeah. be a part of it, but, but really understanding and, and explaining that to people, why, why this matters to both them and the organization. Okay. So let's get into more around the emotions. Cause I know yeah. you um, have lots to share. So talk to me about what, what emotions are involved, how they show up, what's the impact? So, I mean, it can be any number of emotions, but it's typically going to be the more challenging ones. Um, I, I don't talk about them in terms of positive or negative emotions because that's, that's just not the case. Yeah. All emotions are valuable. They're important. They're sources of information. But in conflict, it's typically going to be more around fear, um, anger. And the other two that become quite relevant here are guilt and shame. Mm. So in terms of, um, I, I mean, any of these emotions, they're going to activate um, our stress response system. So, so the amygdala, it's, there's, there's so much more talk about it these days. Um, it's part of the, uh, the reptilian part of our brain. It's really, really ancient. It's our, our fear response system. So it's, it comes back to that approach or avoid where we're making these split second decisions of, um, you know, life or death situations. Yeah. Emotions aren't exactly, you know, the way that we see them now. They're, they're not typically life or death situations. So whereas historically, um, you know, if we had to either run for our life or freeze or, um, or, or fight for the situation, it's just, it's very different now um, in terms of, of how that system comes out. But that's the system that's activated during conflict, and it's because of those emotions. Um, and so for, you know, for most people, that's, we're going to hear about that in terms of the fight, flight, freeze, or please system. Um, and so those are the reactions that are typically going to come out. So if we think that this is a fight we can win, that's probably the response that yep. we're going to choose. If, um, 
if we don't think so, it's either going to be, um, it's likely going to be a, a flight response. So just, you know, leaving the situation, avoiding the situation. Um, the freeze response is the other one that um, that's typically quite challenging for people where they just, they can't, they're just not able to, to deal yeah. with the situation. And it's almost like a, a full shutdown of, of our thinking processes, mm-hmm, our, mm-hmm. our behavior and that. Um, and then the, the please response, we see that quite a bit as well, where it's just, you know, trying to, it, it's, it's more than just compromising. It's really just doing whatever the other person wants to, to quiet them down. And, and these responses too, I mean, there, there can be actual safety considerations in these. So I don't want to say that, that one is better than the other. It's really dependent on the situation. And a couple things. One, have you read uh, the book from Lisa Feldman Barrett? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just working through that one right now, actually. Yeah, that's a thick book. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting as you're talking. So if we just take fear, for example, it is a, it's a, a instantaneous reaction. And yes, our amygdala, amygdala just responds, right? But what, what Lisa talks about is that a lot of that is cultural and history based. So yes. if I see a snake, I'm going to freak out. But somebody else may see a snake and go, oh, supper, right? <laughs> like it's, you know, completely different. But that all happens just like this. But it's a thought that happens. And so the other reference I'll make is the, there was a recent podcast Brene Brown did with Susan David, amazing work around emotional intelligence. Mm. But what Susan said was emotions are data, not directives. Yes. And so, you know, when we think about I'm angry, it doesn't mean I have to respond angrily. It means I'm angry and that tells me that my values are being pushed on something important to me is being stepped on, is being overlooked, is, is you know, I'm not being able to honor it in some way. And so if we look at our emotions as data, like you said, not good, bad, not positive, negative, but okay, I'm feeling shame, I'm feeling humiliation, I'm feeling rage, I'm feeling annoyed, I'm feeling bitter, I'm feeling resent, I'm embarrassed, like whatever the emotion is. So I teach a whole course inside, so I have a membership site, the training library, and I teach a whole course on emotional literacy. Because it's being able to name those emotions rather than just anger, you know, take the salt grinder and come up with some different words. When you start finding the real word, man, you're like, that's what I'm feeling right now. And then you have the data about how to respond. That's, you're so right. It's, it's those appraisals that we make about the situation that, that can really, you know, they drive how constructive we can be in the situation there's three components of our emotional experience. There's the um, like the behavioral and the communicative part. That's where you know some of that might be a, a subconscious process where like we make a facial reaction yep. or something that we don't even realize we're doing. The physiological component where like we feel it in our body. Like if we start to you know mm-hmm. feel anger and, and maybe fist clen- or you know some kind of tension and, and tightness there. And then the cognitive response as well, where it's what we think about the emotion and the story. You know, I love the using the line, the story I'm telling myself is yes. because then yep. it, it provides a little bit of that separation and I can start to unpack what's actually driving this, this reaction. 
Yeah, that's so I teach in my book, Mastering Confidence, I teach a process called the inner guidance cycle. And it's pause, which means you, when you're in the middle of this, yes. you need to step back, yes. you can't deal with this in the middle. Of it. So pause and then ponder, which is take a moment, minute to think about what's going. I talk about thoughts, feelings, body sensations. Mm-hmm. What am I thinking? Yeah, the story I'm making up is the opinion I have the judgment I have. The perspective I'm seeing this through. What's what am I? What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? I'm feeling angry, hurt, frustrated, annoyed, and those body sensations. Because, you know, when you feel sweaty palms or pits, or your stomach's like in knots, or you feel that darkness in your chest, or you know that tension, maybe your heart is racing. Those sensations tell you something, exactly. and it's those sensations you're talking. You know, the pre-reptilian. Like if you can. See those in their feet, notice those sensations before you get to the thoughts and like, wait a minute, I remember this feeling before. Let's, you know, and those things, once you learn that. So yeah, when you can work through that, that what I call the inner guidance cycle, that pause, ponder, what are your thoughts, feelings, body sensations? Then the third step is pivot. Okay, I don't want to go back to, you know, being defensive every time we get into this conversation. That's not working for me, not working for the organization. So then you pivot and then you proceed forward. Where do I want to go? Um, always, like you say, that forward motion. And, and that's a, you know, that's such a important part of the constructive responses to conflict. And whether that's um, an active or a passive response, you know, it, it sounds like you're talking about it in an active sense in terms of, of switching that. And I love that when you acknowledge, like, I, I know I'm being defensive right now. When you acknowledge that, and, and same thing with, yeah. with really any of the emotions, you acknowledge them, you're able to move through them. Emotions come and go. We're never just just Always. one of them. It's all a part of our, our human experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'll often say, like, is this thought getting me to where I want to go? What if this thought mm-hmm. isn't right? Like, you know, I mean, what if they're really not judging me? Or what if they're really not out to get me? <laughs> Maybe That's my the thoughts behind are- it. Yep. Yeah. All right. What have we missed here? Have you ever realized something a little too late? I just did. In post-editing production of this podcast, that's where the video stopped. If you've listened this far, you've found some valuable content from Sarah, lots of good insights, and I know you probably want more. So I'm going to put the links in below to help you find Sarah and get access to the work she's doing and pick her brain for more questions. Follow her on Instagram. That's where I follow her most because she's got lots of great ideas and wisdom. And so thank you for continuing to listen and big, huge thank you to Sarah for being on the podcast and humongous apologies for technology not working out the way it should have this time. If you found today's episode helpful, then you are going to love the training library. Many women leaders in nonprofits wish that they had a coach or a mentor to help them, but they don't believe that they or their organization can afford it. Oh, but you can. Inside of the training library membership site, you will not only get access to affordable and easily accessible ongoing personal and professional development training, you will also have access to a leadership coach at your fingertips. That way, when you hit those inevitable challenges that leadership will bring your way, you'll have both the resources and the support to navigate your way through them with confidence, composure, and while keeping your integrity intact. To find out more, head to kathyarcher.com library.
If you are enjoying the show, I'd love it if you could leave me a comment or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Go make the rest of your day awesome. Awesome.